Good morning. Welcome to uh, Lighthouse Bible Church Online. And a big shout out to Pastor John and his family, Roberta and Hannah and Jack. Hope you guys are watching and doing well. Anyway, Pastor John is continuing his, his therapy and looking forward to returning to the pulpit. Keep him and his family in prayer as he continues healing. I spoke with him a couple of days ago and uh, he was in good spirits. And again, wanted to thank everyone for their thoughts and prayers and, and well wishes. So, so let's open in prayer. Father, we come to you with thanks for the gift of eternal life through all, through all who believe in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Thank you for answering our prayers for Pastor John. We pray for his continued recovery, for his family, and blessings of health and prosperity on Lighthouse Bible Church, our congregation, our families, and our community. We pray for our country and for all the people affected by the virus, for health care workers, essential service workers, and that a treatment or vaccine will be developed. We pray also that people who are out of work will be able to return soon. Please bless all of us and prepare our minds and hearts today as we seek to learn more about your plan and purpose for our life through our Lord and Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. As you know, each month we feature a different missionary organization that we pray for and support. Um, we encourage you to do this also in any way that you are able. This month it's uh, basic training Bible ministries, um, the ministry of Jean and Nan Cunningham. And we've talked about that for the past several weeks this month um, of April. And uh, they have uh, been doing ministry all over the world, training indigenous pastors, evangelizing and planting churches in uh, India, Australia, China, Myanmar, Peru, Papua New Guinea, and uh, other places um, for probably the past 50 years. And... um, They're truly wonderful, dedicated servants of our Lord. And they deserve uh, our support. You can donate online at www.basictraining.org or you can mail them a check directly. Uh, And if you don't have um, have that, you can call me or email me and get get their address. Um, uh, for your information, next week is the first Sunday in May, and we'll be doing the Lord's Supper remotely. So be prepared at home with some uh, elements such as grape juice, apple juice, or even water and uh, bread, cracker, bagel, whatever, to uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper. Well, today we're going to be looking at the first two chapters of the book of Daniel in the Old Testament and uh, learning about uh, how Daniel was trusting in God in adversity. So the book of Daniel begins with a narrative or story of Daniel and his three friends' experiences after being captured and exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. They were removed from their Jewish life in Jerusalem and brought to a pagan land. Later, the book of Daniel gives prophecy about future events and the end times. Um, We're not going to be looking at that 
part of it right now, though. Um, the prophet Daniel claims to be the author of this book in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 1. And there's been some dispute about whether he is the author for various reasons, especially since a lot of the book is written in the third person. I think this matter was settled by our Lord Jesus Christ in, um, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, which we can look at here. It's up on the slides. Uh, Matthew twenty-four, fifteen, And Jesus said, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, So this verse in Matthew refers to Daniel 11.31 where Daniel prophesies the rise of the abomination of desolation, in other words, the Antichrist. Um, And my only purpose in mentioning it here is to pretty much establish that Daniel wrote the book of Daniel. And we're not going to discuss the prophecy of Daniel here, but the events of his life that show how God rewards Faith in adversity as well as God's awesome power of deliverance and protection. So beginning in, uh, you can open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1 verse 1. And we're going to pretty much stick in Daniel. Um, When I go to some other verses I'll have them up on the slides. So Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Sorry, getting ahead of myself with the slides here. Anyway, there were... uh, There were several sieges of Jerusalem from 605 through 586 B.C., approximately. This was the beginning of the deportation and 70-year exile of the Jewish people, which is detailed in 2 Kings chapter 24 and 25. And they especially captured, the Babylonians, especially captured the fit and strong and leading men of the land, which we later learn included Daniel and his three friends. Second Kings chapter 24, verse 14. It's up on the slides. Um, then he, which meaning Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, then he led away into exile all Jerusalem and all the captains and all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives, and all the craftsmen and smiths. None remained except the poorest people of the land. In verse 15, so he led Jehoiakim, king of Judah, away into exile to Babylon. Also the king's mother and the king's wives and his officials and the leading men of the land, he led away into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. All the men of valor, 7,000, and the craftsmen and the smiths, 1,000, all strong and fit for war. And these the king of Babylon brought into exile in Babylon. Now this was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 39 verses 5 through 7. Isaiah chapter 39 beginning in verse 5. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, 
Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your sons who will issue from you, whom you will beget, will be taken away, and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Hezekiah was king of Judah around a hundred years or so before Jehoiakim and the prophet Isaiah warned him that this would happen. The reason God allowed this to happen was due to Israel's disregard for God's laws, especially the Sabbath, and also um, their idolatry. Israel is a big time into idolatry at that time. So continuing on in uh, Daniel chapter 1 verse 2. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, another name for Babylonia, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God, Nebuchadnezzar's God, whoever that was. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles. Youths in whom there was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning in knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court, and he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Well, the Chaldeans were a a tribe living in southern Babylon, and they were known for their astrology and witchcraft and conjuring and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes uh, Chaldeans are are used for Babylonians as well, so it's a little bit of a slang term, but generally they were known for their their, uh, black arts, I guess you could call it. Anyway, Nebuchadnezzar, in addition to taking the conquered nation's valuables as plunder, took the strong, the talented, and the smart people and began to teach them the culture of the Chaldeans. His plan was to use them in his government to further his growing empire. Continuing on in verse 5 of the book of Daniel, chapter 1, the king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them, from the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. If you remember, we saw back in Isaiah that that was, uh, that was foretold, that he would uh, take the... the uh, the people, the sons of Hezekiah, or his descendants, and put them into uh, servitude in his uh, service of the king. So, verse 7, Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them, and to Daniel he assigned Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. 
But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Well, Daniel knew that the food he was being offered was not prepared according to Jewish custom and the meat was sacrificed to idols. So he decided he would not defile himself and he made a plan to change his diet to avoid the king's food. By changing their names and re-educating, the king was attempting to remove their previous identity and culture and create a new one in which they would be loyal servants to him. He wanted to make sure they would worship him instead of their God. Imagine being a young man with your whole life ahead of you and excitement and energy of youth and suddenly being transported against your will to a hostile foreign land to serve your enemy who had killed many of your friends. Not something we can relate to today in the U.S. of A. Probably some other countries over in the Middle East may... uh, may be able to relate to that in a big way. But we've been very fortunate and blessed by God in our country. So it would have been easy for them to say, God let us down by allowing us to be captured and exiled, so why not just ignore his commands and just go with the flow in Babylon? Well, Daniel and his friends decided to stay true to their God and his commands. They accepted the change of name as the lesser of two evils, since they knew who they were and they were not going against the Lord's command in that. As we continue, we'll see how Daniel handles this adversity with faith in the God of Israel. He doesn't rebel or go on a hunger strike to avoid eating the king's chosen food, but humbly asks the commander if he can eat only veggies veggies and water. In order to allay the fears of his captors, he proposes a trial period to test this new diet and see if they would remain healthy and fit because the commanders were afraid that uh, if they disobeyed the king and feeding him the king's food that they would lose their head, and we'll see that in the next couple verses. Continuing on in verse 9 of chapter 1. Now God granted Daniel a favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, their appearance seemed better, and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. Well, I don't know about vegetables making you fat, but uh, anyway, maybe that was God 
putting a little bit of extra, extra meat on them so they look good. God has a plan here, I'm sure. So the act of refusing the king's food could have had dire consequences as it might have been viewed as rebellion against the king, which could easily result in severe punishment or death. It could also have branded them as uncooperative, destroying their chances for a good position in the kingdom. So, verse 17, As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days, which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The, the king talked to them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. Again, more fulfillment of that prophecy from Isaiah. And as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. Well, Cyrus was the king of Persia who conquered Babylonia and released the Jews to return to the land. Since we know the Jews were in Babylon for 70 years, we can assume Daniel has a long future there. And by their diligent cooperation and study with the help of the Lord, these young men learned everything required of them and more. They put to shame all the other young captives who had been trained in this way and ten times better than the king's magicians and conjurers that the king had relied upon for his knowledge. We already see God's hand in all of this and he will be with them all the way. So we're going to continue along here in chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. Daniel chapter 2 verse 1. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. The king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied to the Chaldeans, The command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. Therefore declare me to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell the dream to his servants and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time inasmuch as you have seen that the command from me is firm, that if you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you. 
You, for you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream that I may know that you can declare me its interpretation. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar didn't get to be the king by being stupid. He knew that these charlatans could fabricate an interpretation for any dream, but he also knew that if they could tell him the actual dream, that they would be truly clairvoyant. And of course, I'm guessing if they would have known and been able to to tell the actual dream, they certainly would have done it because the threat of uh, being torn limb from limb doesn't seem like a very exciting thing, at least for them anyway. And they would be, be rewarded as well. So uh, King Hezekiah was greatly troubled by his dream. And he really wanted to know what it meant for him. Not some fabricated story of the interpretation by the magicians. Well, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king, inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there is no one else who could declare it to the king except God's, whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh." Well, what the magicians told the king was actually pretty close to the truth, that only God could know the meaning of this dream. The king was not having that, however, and condemned them to death. Not only just them, but all the wise men of, uh, of the land of Babylonia there. And uh, so, um, oops, skip that slide. Well, we already heard that. Anyway, um, chapter, chapter 2, verse 12. Because of this, the king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Well, I guess Daniel and his, and his friends somehow got included in this death sentence, even though until that point they had nothing to do with the king's dream and they didn't even know about it. So verse 14, the story of Daniel continues. Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He said to Arioch, the king's commander, For what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Antioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Well, what did Daniel do when he faced being executed for something he didn't even know about? When he found out the reason for this execution order, he went to the king and asked for a continuance, like any good lawyer would do, (laughs) so that he could find a solution. 
Then he immediately told his three friends so that they could all pray to God for deliverance from this death sentence. Verse 19 Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed God, the God of heaven. And Daniel said, Let let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs, and he removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Well, God answered him right away, showing Daniel the dream and its interpretation. Daniel immediately praised God and thanked him, even though he still had to come before the king, and there was no guarantee that the king would spare him. After all, this king was going to kill all the wise men in the kingdom, even though most of them didn't even know he had had a dream. And he was going to kill him in a pretty nasty way as well. Well, Daniel continued, continued to exhibit a strong faith in God and his ability to bless and protect him and his God-fearing friends. Remember, this is after they had been captured in exile to a hostile pagan land. So this is several times we're seeing where Daniel and his friends had faith in God, even in, even in the face of great difficulty and adversity and possible condemnation to death but they still stuck with the, with the God of Israel and they had faith. So continuing in uh, verse 24, Daniel chapter 2, verse 24. Sorry, I have an itchy nose here. Um, Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and spoke to him as follows. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence, and I will declare the interpretation to the king. Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows. I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar, what will take place in latter days? This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. 
But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king, and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Daniel shows his faith and humility here by giving all the credit to his God and takes no credit whatsoever for himself. He continues in verse 31, You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly partly of iron and partly of clay. You continued looking until a stone was cut without hands and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then... The iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell its interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand, and has caused you to rule over them all. You are the head of gold. After you there will arise another kingdom inferior to you, and then, then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. Then there will be a fourth kingdom, as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things. So like iron that breaks into pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. In that you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay. They will continue, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever." Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Well, there's a lot of prophecy in this dream 
and the interpretation, which is a study for another time. But I think we can see here the revelation of the future kingdom not made with human hands that will endure forever, the millennial kingdom of our Lord Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the new heaven and the new earth, which will never be destroyed and endure forever. So someday we'll probably look at all that prophecy about the the statue and the the head of head of gold and the feet of clay and all that, but not right now. So we'll continue uh, Daniel's story here in uh, chapter uh, two, verse forty-six. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present him an offering and fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. The king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was in the king's court. In the end of this episode, not the end of the story by any means, and we'll see some more about Daniel's story and his faith next week. In the end of this episode... Uh, Daniel and his three friends are blessed by God in the midst of great adversity. Think about it. Even though they were captured in Jerusalem and herded to Babylon and um, made to service the king, their their sworn enemy, um, they still um, had faith in their God. They still obeyed his commands. They still trusted him. And God blessed them, blessed them by being healthy and learning all the things that they needed to learn to to, uh, to please the king. And he also blessed them with the ability to reveal the dream and the interpretation of the king, which none of the king's wise men could do. So he's defi- definitely, they're all blessed and, uh, and showing the uh, result of their faith. So, the summary of this uh, little story here is that Daniel stayed true to his, his beliefs and to his God, even when faced with great adversity. And he picked his battles. He picked his battles following Jewish dietary laws and let the name change go uncontested. So that's a big lesson for anybody in a, in a battle, is to pick your battles and only fight the ones that are important. So, He didn't fight or protest the food order, but challenged his captors to test his plan and let the results determine their fate. And, of course, we saw that God helped those results, and those guys got fatter than all the other people that were eating the king's food. And Daniel and his three friends were diligent with God's help to learn everything they needed to please the king. And Daniel was leading the right way, leading by example, with faith in God. 
And when faced with a wrongful death sentence, he immediately led his three friends in prayer for a solution. And when the king praised him, he gave all the glory to God, none to himself. And so the bottom line, like we learned last week with Abraham, nothing is impossible with God through faith. So, as we close our service today, if anyone has not yet believed in Christ as your own personal Savior, now's the time to make that decision. When Paul was in prison, and the Philippian jailer asked Paul a question in Acts 16.30. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Paul and his, uh, his missionaries, they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved, you and your household. And John, speaking speaking of the teachings of Jesus on eternal life, in John chapter 20 and verse 31, said, But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you may have eternal life in his name. Well, God has made salvation so simple that all you have to do to receive forgiveness of sin and eternal life is to believe that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins and was resurrected by God and trust in him as Lord and Savior. So Lighthouse Bible Church is a grace ministry supported by believers who desire to support the teaching of God's word. We don't ask for pledges of money and we don't pass the plate. Especially now, since we're online only. Where would we pass it, right? Anyway, we, save a, we have needs. Our ministry has needs, even this, in this time of online only. We save a little bit on the electric bill, but everything else continues. Um, pa- salary uh, for Pastor John, building expenses, utilities, and missionary support. So keep that in your thoughts and prayers. If God puts it on your heart to help, then please mail a check or donate online. And don't forget to prepare for the Lord's Supper next week. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for allowing us to worship you and study your word today. And we ask that you bless us with your loving grace and answer our prayers as we leave today. We pray for the continued recovery of Pastor John, for our church family, our community, our country, and all who are suffering, especially the people of our congregation. We pray that um, they will be blessed in every way and their prayers will be answered. We pray for everyone impacted by the virus that a solution and recovery will be swift. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.